joining us. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Flame. Hey, fandom. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to episode eight. Today is a pretty Flaret-free episode as we turn the mic over to the moderators of the 616 Stony server. We wanted to both celebrate 616 Day and learn a little bit more about comics, and there's no better group of folks to welcome to our proverbial stage to accomplish both of those tasks than Magic Assin, Kiar, and Siniala. And it's also the 616 server birthday party all week, including this weekend. So it's a great time to join the server and participate in some fun and games and celebrate 616. We are going to finish off with a trope off update and a brief announcement about the events forecast. Huge thank you to Coda River Road for our art and the 616 mods for taking this proposal and running with it. Lots to get to as always. So take it away, magic, key, and sign. Hello, Potscastlandia. You might be a little surprised to hear my voice as the one introducing the interview today, but um, as a comics lover and a comics fandom lover, I was desperate to be a part of this conversation, so I kicked Flame out, uh, who's on date night tonight, and uh, inserted myself instead. So I will be your interview host, and my guests today are our wonderful comics and 616 gurus. Kiar, Magic, and Sign. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Um, thanks for having us. <laughs> so as always, we will start a little bit with our fandom origin stories. I know that Kiar gave a overall arcing inter- introduction to her fandom life, but um, maybe we can hear a little bit more about how you got into specifically comics or even Steve Tony comics. And then Magic and Sign, maybe you can let us know um, what your fandom origin stories are. Sure. Um, so I've said before, my ex-girlfriend gave me a uh, an anthology. It had like Tales of Suspense in it, which is like very early uh, Steve Tony comics. Um, black, mine was black and white. It doesn't even have color in it. And I read that like in the span of one summer and then I was like totally hooked. And then I found... Um, the kink meme, which some of you probably remember on Live Journal circa 2012 Avengers era. And um, I started posting a fill and I called it Sins of Omission. Um, and I didn't think anybody would read it. And um, and then people started reading it and they liked it. So uh, I became an ant- I became the opposite of a lurker in a very short period of time. And here we are today. It's been almost 10 years. It does sort of feel like it happens overnight, doesn't it? Yep. Magic, how did you uh, get into fandom spaces? Oh, um, so I totally do remember the kink me because I joined fandom back in 2012, uh, actually right before the Avengers 2012 came out. I think I got into fandom right like the end of April, but um, I kind of plowed through all the available MCU fic and all moved on to six on six fic. And then I had a whole summer to read comics and kind of never looked back after that point. So you read comics first, uh, or you read fix comics fix first, and that got you started on reading comics? Yep. I just devoured everything on AO3 and LiveJournal. <laughs> and Sign, what about you? Um, well, I've been in Marvel Comics fandom for a while, but for me, it was actually X-Men first. I was in 
um, X-Men fandom in the late 90s, back when X-Men was the only Marvel Comics fandom. I tell this to people now and they don't believe me. They're like, no, where are the Avengers? But no, nobody nobody was into Avengers, not um, in the same fanish way that we all are now. And then I kind of fell out of it for several years. And um, I actually say that I'm probably the only person who came out of Winter Soldier shipping Steve Tony because... <laughs> Um, see when uh, you start reading X-Men and when that's your introduction to the Avengers you learn that Captain America is really a jerk because he's really a jerk to all of the mutants all the time so I was like well who wants to ever read about him but then I saw Winter Soldier and I was like hey this guy's pretty interesting maybe I'll check out the comics and see what I've missed in the past 10 years and uh, I found out that I'd missed Civil War and I'd missed the confession I read the confession I was like I'm here now this is where I live this is my fandom and then I wrote a million words of fic. <laughs> That's amazing. I actually also just to sort of throw in my my brief comics. I have a similar. I started with X Men too, when I was a preteen. My parents had ordered had like uh, it was a wedding gift. I think they got like someone had gotten them a subscription to like Marvel delivered to your house, and we had X Men and Spider Man. And when I was old enough, they let me read them because they were worried I was going to destroy them. And so those were, that was like my only 616 experience for uh, a long time until I ended up back in this fandom because of the movies. And then I got into alts instead of 616. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, (laughs) related to alts, I did want to ask you guys, um, comics, and you may or may not agree with the foundation of this, but um, in Marvel fandom as a whole, I think, or even from an MCU perspective, I think that comics fan works and comics fandom has a perception, as well as the comics themselves, of being darker or grittier or attracting more angst or dark fit creators. And I was wondering what you guys had to say about that, if you think that it's accurate, first of all. If it is, why do you think it's that way? Um, And if it isn't, what would you want to say to dispel the myth? (laughs) Let's just start with that one. (laughs) <laughs> says key who was just on our <laughs> episode two weeks ago go ahead I think I think instead of asking that question you have to first look at the canon that we have like 616 mm-hmm. fandom comes with its own assortment of like canonical angst of any fucking flavor that you want it to be so I would say that it doesn't necessarily just it doesn't necessarily attract more angst weasels, but like <laughs> there is a broader base available to step off and do bad, dark, grim, dark things if you want. Um, I'm interested to hear what Sign thinks of this though, because I think that Sign Sign gets me to read fluff when not a lot of people can too. <laughs> so, um, and I think that's also like a thing that we have in our canon. There's just so much of it. <laughs> Well, I call Sign. a lot of things fluff, but then I write things where um, I realize that, you know, it's fluff, but Tony is like naked and crying and believes that, you know, everything is not real and nobody loves him. But then it that's has a happy canonical. Ending. Yes. That's also canonical. <laughs> yeah, but then it has a happy ending and comics don't end ever. So. Right. Um, I think that you can write fluff just to put in a word for fluff. But I think that even in things that end happily, people will often want to write things that adhere closely to the comics in some way, either because they really like this run or they really hate this run and they think they can do it better. But um, 
So like, even when you have that kind of uh, fluff goal, you might just go through the angst to get there. Yeah, I think um, related to that, I think that MCU tends to see a lot of like AU fan works, like, I don't know, Coffee Shop AU. I just picked the first one that I thought of. And I think that uh, 616 fandom, because it's so like, you have to put a lot of time investment in to like navigate it from the beginning. I think you're more likely to like use the canon when you're creating fan work. So we tend to have like more canon or canon adjacent works than like MCU does. So I think that might be part of it. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that I feel like a lot of 616 fic is fix it fic because the fandom, like for fandom history, it basically started after Civil War. So people really started writing um, for Steve Tony after Civil War, which is, you know, like their big breakup. So it's kind of like, would you call Captain America Civil War fix angst or would you call them fix it fix? Because I think like that's what that's what defines 616 fic to me is lots and lots of fixes because there's so much to fix in canon. <laughs> Right. And it's cyclical, too, because they break up like every decade and then get back together. Because comics never end, like Sign said. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems like um, just the vast majority of canon alone. And also that the the canon itself is, you know, like the movies just can never be because they're sort of, I don't want to say sanitized, but they're designed to appeal to a broader, more mass markety thing than the comics are it dives less into like you know we barely get to see Tony's problems with alcohol or things like that whereas in the comics they get to spend a great deal of time on those kinds of things that's really true so so we could call it a failing of, of the MCU if we wanted to instead of that uh comics lovers or angst weasels <laughs> there's just not yeah. enough not enough movie see, I think they're just different flavors so we've talked, so speaking of um, sort of the immensity of comics canon, because I think that's like fundamentally not just with the angst thing, but it affects so much of the differences between movie fandom and comics fandom and how the ships are written and, and how much background there is for the ships. And like you say, they've broken up and gone back together so many times. Um, but I was wondering as comics readers um, and also as fic writers and lovers of fic presumably you have you like the the big emotional moments to some degree I was wondering um with the the immensity of comics canon versus the relatively short period of the MCU because even though it's a lot of movies for movie people it has nothing on how much comics canon there are do you think that comics canon being so huge affects fan reactions to those big emotional moments because we get retcons and we get different writers taking things in different directions and there's just so many of them. So it's this idea that for movie fans, Tony dying in Endgame is this massive, like destroying event. And for 616 fans, Tony dying is just a Tuesday. <laughs> is that a fair perception, first of all? And so like, are there big emotional moments in the comics canon? And do you feel like comics creators are invested in those or they're easier to take or is that what spawns all those fix-its <laughs> magic was saying um i guess i'll take this one so i think um kind of coming in from a steve tony perspective i feel like these like big emotional moments in comics kind of come from a foundation of looking at the relationships right that these characters all have with each other so say like if we're comparing it to like mcu tony dying that's like Tony as a character dying but when say sorry 
like this is like 15 years spoilers when 616 Steve like dies in Civil War like it's not so much about like him dying that was obviously a big like event but like we got like dozens of issues of Tony crying and having sobbing breakdowns over Steve's body right like you don't get that sort of stuff like with Tony dying in the MCU so like you could just tell like when these big emotional moments happen like it really affects these characters relationships and they have such like a rich history and there's so much baggage there and it's like something that's really like fulfilling and interesting to look at from a fan creator perspective because you know there's they've been through so much together and they continue to go through so much together and that's like really fun from like a writing perspective because I write things. Oh I like that. So would you say that actually even though the the comics canon gives you a whole lot more it actually the result of that is more spaces to fill fix into instead of less canon giving you more room to fill all the emptiness um i don't i don't know about the answer to that one actually did you <laughs> and sign have anything to say because there's so much room in comics but i do feel like comics fandom kind of sticks to certain certain big places to fix or certain big places to hone in on yeah i don't think I don't think there's like, I don't feel, I'm just speaking for myself. I don't know how other creators feel about this, but I don't feel compelled to fill in like blank spaces as much, although you certainly can. Um, What I really like is that you can like bounce backward and forward in time and you can still feel the ripple effects of these big emotional upheavals Magic is talking about. And like the beauty of having so much canon is that like you can choose to ignore large swaths, swaths of it if you really want to. And we do because <laughs> like, like if you're not enjoying something that's happening or that's coming out, like you can wait because you know there will be more of it in the future and it will be different. Um, I got away from the original question. I'm sorry, I don't remember what it was. No, I, we were talking about filling in gaps and, and you're saying, I think sort of similar to magic that people pick and choose and, and there's kind of magnetic moments that a lot of fans tend to stick to and it doesn't necessarily feel like right you reminded me maybe that there's more space to fill in yeah okay so you reminded <laughs> me so sometimes the gaps sometimes we do have gaps and it's because like everybody universally agrees that like we don't want to deal with the content of that moment in time or like that crossover event or like that one writer um so like that's where our fix it stuff comes in um I think what do you think sign okay interesting yeah um I actually wanted to go back to a point in the original question um so it seemed to be um asking if the character deaths in a sense are cheaper in comics because we know we always know they're going to come back like no matter how they try to sell us on you know no they're really really dying for real this time you know they're going to come back next year like we all know that like we're not going to you know suddenly be expecting that you know somebody will be dead for real this this isn't ults this is 616 (laughs) right but I think that that actually for me that's a plus because I think of it like the presumed dead genre of fanfic it's like that so we get like all of the angst all of the emotion all of the like grief like everything like juicy and emotional and that you you know dramatic that you could want to read about but then um they come back and And we have to do it all over again (laughs) yeah Yeah. so actually that kind of brings me to another point because um 
he mentioned that, you know, there might be writers or runs that you can kind of uh, ignore if you're not a fan. Um, and, and what you were saying about people having favorite moments and, uh, and stuff like that. And this is like, I think this is really different from other types of fandoms, TV shows or movies might have a couple of writers over the years, but nothing like the vast numbers of uh, artists and writers and everybody who gets involved in so many years of comics. So I was wondering what impact do you guys feel writers and artists have on the comics and their role in relation to fandom and fandom culture? Do you, do you guys have favorite writers? Is that a common thing for comics fans to have? Do we have favorites? I mean, have, yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> we all have favorites. We all have favorites. <laughs> so is like writer stan culture, is that, would you say that's part of fandom spaces? I wouldn't necessarily oh. say that, but I'd say that I, <laughs> I'm trying not to be like a super downer. I think sometimes, I think the opposite is actually more true. Like sometimes we will tend to rally against a certain writer and we'll be like, we will vehemently like collectively be like, this is bad and I don't like it and I want it to stop. I don't know if that's a uniquely me experience. I don't think it is. I think it's, um, so, sorry, Fair. I don't know if you want to get all into like the 616 drama, but I think a lot of it happens, particularly with Iron Man comics and how Tony's characterization has really shifted a lot in the past decade, especially since MCU Tony became a thing. So a lot of, I feel like a lot of collective 616 fandom kind of takes like earlier Tony canon pre-MCU as kind of like their baseline for what 616 Tony should be. I think that's true. So the choice of writer, it it plays a, a big role, not just in the specific runs that they write, but even that you can see like echoes down the line of the influence that they had at various periods. Yeah, I do think um, for writers, like I kind of think of comics writers kind of like, I think of like fanfic writers, like there are writers whose characterizations I love and want to read. And then there are writers who like, I don't really jive with their characterizations. So I could just ignore it, right? Because just like the comics writer culture of like most comic writers were fans of comics like decades ago. And now they made it big and became a writer for their favorite comic book character. Like they're just fans too. So I don't really like take necessarily take their canon like and hold it in higher regard than like my own take because they're just fans as well. So I don't know how you two feel about that key inside. I think it's also important to mention that canon also contradicts itself. I mean, sometimes on purpose because they'll retcon something or sometimes just, you know, is Steve from the Lower East Side or is he from Brooklyn? I mean, <laughs> both of those things have been stated to be true in comics. You know, where did Tony get his heart injury? You know. <laughs> So it's all true and the current writer gets to pick whichever thing they'd like to be true. So I feel like we're sort of doing the same thing as they are. They're just the ones getting paid for it right. and getting to make comic books. That's right. So they get to pick, why shouldn't we? Um, furthermore, things that complicate this even further is that Marvel likes to do what are called crossover events. So if you're a comics fan, every, I don't know, it's like twice a year at this point, sometimes more, you get treated to this event which disrupts like the run of your favorite character or like your favorite team. So you'd be reading a story in Iron Man or Captain America, right? And then it would get interrupted for a few issues because there would be like a massive event in the universe happening. And like a lot of different teams can be involved or like a lot of different characters. And so sometimes, um, 
I'm thinking of Civil War in particular, but sometimes because of those crossover events, the characterization swerves drastically away from where it was like in the main continuity of the book. Um, so it really is like a pick and choose your own adventure thing as a fandom creator. I can see how that's appealing for somebody who likes fic or, or is like a fandom minded person, because um, like you were saying, it, it really, if it feels like the writers are, are fanfic writers too, they're just ones that get published at comic book stores, then it really gives you that freedom to kind of enjoy all the comics you want to enjoy, ignore the ones you want to ignore and enjoy all the fic you want to enjoy and ignore all the ones you want to ignore. And you just end up getting these characters that you love in lots of different ways all the time. (laughs) So um, I now have to ask you guys if you have a favorite run or a favorite storyline as part of the Steve Tony or not 616 canon history. And I know that's a lot to think about, but I feel like everyone kind of has their couple of things that stick out. I, I have like my very similar favorite runs, but go first, Keith. <laughs> no, you go, Magic, because I don't remember what you said your favorite is, and I don't want to duplicate our faves. <laughs> <laughs> but we we have that. That's the thing. We're all friends because we like like the same things, right? Or, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's all the same answer, that's great too. You can tell me why for each of you. Um. Okay. Well, I guess Key told me to go, but I know you were gonna say this, Key. But I was gonna talk about Hickman Ventures. Um. So talk about Hickman Ventures. <laughs> so explain a little bit of, about uh, uh, what that okay, means. Okay, so Hickman Ventures is just the fandom way to refer to Jonathan Hickman's Avengers slash New Avengers that later kind of turned into uh, Secret Wars run, which was this massive run that was like three years long, and it kind of was kind of, it kind of was like its own little thing, like um, for he. Hickman definitely doesn't write like a typical comic book writer, I would say. I It really felt like I was reading like a sci-fi story just with Avengers, but um, Steve and Tony had a ton of focus in this run and it really, like I have very fond memories of it because that's really what got me into writing for this fandom because there was so much to fix. Cause like I said, I really like fix-it-fix, but it's very angsty and it's very like oh, super dramatic and stuff, but it's very, very, very Steve Tony, so. It's like a kind of like a cornerstone of the fandom. <laughs> so when you say stuff to fix, do you mean um, you mean because like emotional stuff to fix, not things you didn't like about the story? Um, kind of, kind of both. <laughs> they definitely it okay. was. They're definitely at odds in it, and I don't want it to be spoilery. But there's, there's like there's a kind of like a lot of Steve Tony stuff. It's like they disagree, like morally with each other right like they disagree on what to do um kind of in these moments of crisis like and that's an appeal for a lot of people because Steve and Tony disagree a lot but they also kind of um care about each other and they also like really hold each other in high regard and I think Kickman Avengers kind of took that to the extreme where they really really disagreed with each other but they really love each other and it's difficult for them to deal with that (laughs) that well that sounds lovely I can see why it's a favorite (laughs) Uh, Key and Syme, were you going to say the same thing? Um, I was going to say Hickman Avengers 2. I mean, Magic said it all really beautifully, uh, especially the part about it being like a very expansive sci-fi situation. Like Hickman very clearly had a direction in mind, which not all comic book writers do, I feel, when they start or it's not apparent. Um, and 
I especially like the last, I especially like the third act of Hickman Avengers, which, um, I don't know, can you, like, philosophically, can you spoil something from eight years ago? I, th- I think we're good. <laughs> okay, so, um, <laughs> spoiler alert, guys. So, <laughs> close your ears for a moment if you don't. So, Tony know. does something very bad to Steve, and Steve finds out about it in, like, the third act of this, like, I don't know, it's probably like 80 ish issues long, maybe. I don't remember. It's very long, the whole thing, which is also a plus for me. And um, Steve spends the rest of it, like, very, very angry about it and with Tony on the brain and nothing else. Um, so that's like delightful for an angst weasel like myself. Um, but other than Hickman, I was also going to specifically recommend the fourth volume of Iron Man, which is actually where Tony's characterization starts to shift. I would say this is like the last, for me, this is one of the last, I don't know, I shouldn't say that. His characterization changes a lot after 9-11, which is like its own whole comics discussion topic. But I would say that this is one of like the 2000s uh comic not not including civil war but like the stuff around it um where i really like his characterizations particularly the director of shield um so spoilers again steve has died um they fought in the street during civil war and steve ended up dying uh because somebody assassinated him and tony is like really sad and tony is running shield and he's bad at it because he's grieving and he's you know augmented his body with technology and he's really cut a wedge in the middle of the Avengers. So like half of the team won't even speak to him. And half of the team is like living in this weird new reality. That's an allegory for the Patriot Act. Um, it's all like very fraught and tense and dark. And uh, this run really has everything. I mean, Tony's a sad sack. There's a lot of body horror. There's a lot of loneliness. Um, he hallucinates Steve being dead and yelling at him. So like... It's got everything you want, I would say. I'm the idea of him hallucinating Steve yelling at him sounds absolutely fabulous to me. So I am totally <laughs> in for that. Sign, what about you? I'm actually going to say something different, oh, nice. and I think I've just realized why um, he says accuses that you know I get her to read fluff because I'm going to go a little bit fluffier, and I'm going to say volume three. Nice. So just so happened that Avengers Volume 3, Iron Man Volume 3, and Captain America Volume 3 all started running at the same time, approximately 1998. So we've got uh, Kurt Busiek on Iron Man and Avengers and Mark Wade on Captain America. And I, I will admit that it's not particularly slashy for Steve Tony as far as it goes, but I think it was really the last the last time you get the classic Avengers, the Avengers who live in the mansion, the Avengers who love each other, the Avengers who hang out, the Avengers who haven't experienced any, you know, world shattering, team shattering catastrophes that cause them to no longer be able to trust each other. They're all just really good friends. And Wade Steve is like amazing. I love the way he characterizes Steve because I think he nails the the uh, exact characterization of him where sometimes he can veer a little corny sometimes people will write him like it's an awfully corny you know only making speeches about freedom and sometimes they'll write him like super grimdark but I think he's like right in the middle for me he just when he uh does speeches or like 
interacts with other characters. I say to myself, I understand why people would follow Captain America and why he's amazing. And then over in uh, Iron Man run, uh, Music's Iron Man run, it's got a lot of really good stuff for Tony. We've got um, him helping Carol with her drinking arc. We've got him uh, being uh, generous, philanthropically giving. Um, he's just a really solid, good guy. And like, I feel like volume three is the last time we see all of that before everything gets super, super grim. I mean, not that I don't also like the grim sometimes, but I mean, it was, they were all friends once. And I think volume three is one of the best places to see that. Oh, that's lovely. Also, I think that that points to sort of a, a great thing that the comics had room to do, which is to establish that love and trust and teamwork and the foundation there that lets you play a lot more with all the grim conflict and people dying and people coming back and people breaking up and everything. And they have that foundation to, to go back to something that the relationships were born out of for later conflict to really pack a punch, but also for resolutions to feel believable I guess right because we have moments of tragedy in the MCU and then it's over right but we didn't we don't have like decades of this shared companionship and like fighting in the trenches alongside each other to make the to make the Mm -hmm. impact hurt you where you live not to diminish its effect it's had on people because like people obviously resonate with the MCU tragedy but um I think I I love the way Sign said it because uh, the Avengers being a family is necessary to like set up the tragedy and then knock it down like dominoes later. Yeah. And I think a lot of MCU fans would say that that's what they feel was missing most from the movies was that that foundation of that found family and friendship and, and love. So if, uh, if we've got some MCU fans that are thinking about converting, maybe that's a, a great <laughs> little teaser to get them interested. But speaking of the MCU, um, I know, as you said, it has had an impact on comics, and I've definitely seen people being disappointed about the influence it's had on comics or comics writers. Um, Totally valid, giving you space for that. But I wanted to ask uh, if you have anything, what's one thing that you wish that MCU-only fans knew about 616 or 616 fandom spaces? Oh. Oh, I... I'm going to go first. I got to go for like it. Me. Okay. <laughs> so, so dear MCU fandom, you know that uh, fanon you like where the Avengers all live together and they all hang out and they all play games and they watch movies together and they're just, you know, generally all up in each other's business in their free time. That's comics. If you want that to be, you know, canon, go read comics. It is all right there. I have panels of the Avengers sitting around and playing Monopoly while Godzilla attacks them. (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable. It's real. Um, Well, I guess I don't really have like an answer, but I guess I'll just share like a funny anecdote that just happened in the 616 server a few days ago. Because I asked like, hey, can someone point me to like that part, that time in canon when like Tony broke a mirror after seeing his reflection. I think it happened, but I don't remember. And then Sign and Key and like the rest of the 616 server got together and bring me like four different times that Tony punched a window (laughs) slash punched a mirror slash punched something and started bleeding from his fist. So I just want to say if you want any moment, there's probably like at least half a dozen times it happened in comics. So 
you know, come like, it could be fluffy or angsty, it's all gonna be there and we'll bring you like half a dozen panels proving it. Comics lets you relive it over and over and over. And I mean, since we're all fanfic readers here, it seems like that's something that we're all into. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, Okay, I have a fandom thing. I would tell people who are like curious about 616 fandom that there are so many people who are just so eager to like sit you down and be like, these are comics and here's why I love them. And I'd love to help you read them. Because whenever somebody gets into comics, the next step in that evolution is making you is like recruiting your friends and making them read comics so um, I know that it can seem sort of monolithic and hard to get into and overwhelming because there's so much of it but like people really just want you to read them so we can all like gush about it together that's that's my main fandom takeaway thing and then I think I have a characterization thing which is like when you start or if you start reading comics like realize that the characterization is sort of shifting sands to begin with, but there is so much more beyond um, MCU um, and all of, mm, thinking about how to phrase this. It stretches, it stretches far, far back and you may find great joy in like the beginning of, like in the conception of Iron Man, the mythos and, the conception of like Captain America because like they're both very political figures in a way that I don't think the MCU was able to do and I think that there's um, a lot of I think that there's a lot of potential and joy and like knowledge to be gleaned from playing around in that particular sandbox so I love that that's great and um And what you were saying about fandom space, I can say that you three are absolutely people who are willing to sit down and help people enter comics because after this interview, our next segment is going to be you guys doing just that. So if anyone's listening and saying, wow, that sounds like a great idea, then just keep your butt in your chair and keep listening and uh, there's going to be more coming up. But before we sign off on our interview, I did want to ask if you guys have any 616 thick wrecks. Um, either something you're currently reading or that's currently posting or an old favorite that you'd, you'd, you'd like to share with 616 fans and non-616 fans who might be interested in trying a fic out. I would like to recommend uh, Blossoms in the Mist's Relativistic Heat Conduction, which um, technically it's not a 616 fic, but it is only technically not a 616 fic in a way that a 616 fan who cares deeply about that sort of thing would care about. It's basically a 616 fic. It's Age of Ultron, which is a has nothing to do with the movie except that it has Ultron in it. It's a universe where Ultron won, and they're all in living in the robot apocalypse trying to survive and um, ideally come up with a way to defeat Ultron. It's... Um, kind of grim actually as a miniseries, but uh, Blossom's Fic is really, really great. You don't need to have read Age of Ultron to read it. Uh, I should probably mention that it's a death fic. Uh, that would probably uh, be a good thing to warn for, but um, it's not a sad death fic. It's a death fic that makes me feel happy at the end, but I don't actually read it for the death part. Uh, I think that it's a really good uh, summary basically of why Steve and Tony are good for each other like why, why they're my OTP, really, why I ship them, how they, they 
walk through this robot post-apocalypse together and they hold each other up and they support each other and they're like good for each other and they're a team and they really um, just help each other get through this and you know that they wouldn't be able to do it without each other and I think that that story really illustrates that for me. That's that's a beautiful recommendation. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I love that fic too and they, um, I guess I'll just go ahead I'll like wreck basically everything from Elsa <laughs> Fixon and Sean Chai. Um, they are kind of, they're a cornerstone of 616 Tony fandom. And I will say for those of you listening who maybe have, don't know much about 616, I did read their fic before I got into fandom, loved it, read it again after I'd read the comics and loved it even more. And I think what is really special about their fics to me is that it made me love people beyond Steve and Tony because we're talking about this from a Steve Tony point of view, right? But the Avengers are this massive team with so many, like probably hundreds of members at some point, like in their history. And they all care deeply about each other. And I think they are really great ensemble fix where Steve and Tony really is like a central part of the story. So it's, it really made me go like, wants to read more comics to learn more about these different characters that Steve and Tony care about, because it's not just caring about like, Steve and, Steve and Tony loving each other. It's caring about like this whole concept of the Avengers as like a team and as a family that cares about each other. I said I'd wreck everything, um, but I do have the one pulled up on my tab. It's when the lights go on again. And that's um, a volume three fic that it's kind of on, a, it's in its own little world. It's like um, about like an alien invasion and the Avengers have to fight it off and they all work together and they just all really love each other. and. Yeah, it makes me it makes me feel lots of things about not just Steve and Tony, but about the Avengers as like a concept and why, you know, like I love superheroes and why like we care about superheroes in general. It gets me that that like part of my heart. Um, I heavily co-sign both of those. They're really classics and good and they will make you feel good about heroes. They'll make your heart like glow. My wrecks are not as feel good. I'm sorry. I don't know what you expected. No, no one's surprised. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we need balance. You're here for balance. Yeah, we'll just call it that. So I would like to wreck. I'll remember best of all, all the things we didn't say. Another really classic, kind of dark by Dorcas Gustine. Um, this is like, this is like an old fandom fic, like, like early on in comic Steve Tony fandom, I would say. Um, and it, it's, follows my favorite period the uh, aftermath of civil war for angst potential um both of my wrecks are tony centric because i'm a tony fave person sorry about that too um so this one is like kind of a dark retelling of like what what if steve came back um and tony was doing even more poorly than he was doing in the comics um, you should read it. It's lovely. And it features all of the Avengers as many early Steve Tony comics fix do because like you can't really parcel the I, I feel like early early comics works tend to like ha they're they're like a batch deal. Um, whereas like you know people have branched out and done it differently in the time since. Okay. So that's my first rack. Um, my second rack is crates lovely Tony centric. Um, Stark Disassembled series. The first work is called Zero Sum. Um, and it's 
really, really philosophical and contemplative and really just like a lovely characterization exercise with um, it's it's got some epistolary bits, but it's also like it, it's also like very zoomed in close on Tony and his grief. And that's a thing that I love to explore and I love to read about. Um, it's really long. There's multiple parts. It's beautifully written. Go for it. Well, that is a fantastic collection of recommendations. Thank you very much for that. I hope that our readers are getting their clicking fingers going already, but I also hope they stick around because next up after this interview, we're going to have a little welcome to comics, welcome to 616 introduction talk to get you guys uh, started or interested or any of those wonderful words. So thank you guys so much for joining me for this interview and for taking over this episode of the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. We love to talk about comics. (laughs) Well, we're very grateful for that because Flame and I know very little. (laughs) Um, And yeah, everyone stick around and keep listening for our next segment. Uh, Are we ready to talk about 616? We are back and we are ready to just take everyone by the hand and lead you into the 616 world. <laughs> I have a nice starting point. Why don't we talk about um, what 616 means? Because I mean, people say MCU. So like, let's talk about briefly the designation 616. So like, there's a lot of comics, right? And they don't all happen in the same universe. Like we've we've all been exposed to multiverse and time travel now that we've you know, presumably all seen the end of MCU. So it's like a similar thing in the comics. And when we're saying 616, we're referring to the main Marvel Comics universe. I say main because it's the biggest, there's the most content for it. There are also other smaller sub-universes. Um, Sign can name more of them than I can, but this includes like Ult, um, Noir, all of the spinoff bullet unit- points, bullet points, bullet points. Don't forget bullet points. A perennial favorite. <laughs> um, there are like all these little sub universes that sometimes we like dip our toes into. But six one six involves the Avengers, the X Men, the Fantastic Four, like any any Marvel team you can think of. Like they, except the Ultimates, they they belong in Ultland, land, but. Um, that's what we mean. So we mean like the dome umbrella under which all of these teams live in their fantasy comics universe. I was just going to mention that these aren't like consecutively numbered. So there aren't like 615 other comics universes that, and it's not that vast. I mean, maybe it is. I don't actually know how many there are, but they've, they are uh, numbered in a quasi random way. So the number doesn't reflect how many total universes there are. So if you're staring at the number 616 and being like, that is a lot of comics, how will anybody in the world ever read that many comics? It's not actually that many comics. I mean, it's still a lot of comics and you're not going to be able to read them all and that's okay, but it might not be as many as you think it is. I mean, but I think you could read them all. I mean, I kind of I kind of have a low key like life goal to read all of the comics. Um, and I want to think that that's possible. Like, I want to believe in it. Um, like, how many comics are there, do we think? Our start date is, like, the 40s, right? That's the earliest Marvel thing I can think of. I mean, do you count yeah. Timely Comics? I do. What? Okay. Tell us about Timely Comics, Magic. Oh, gosh. Well, um, Timely was kind of Marvel before it was named Marvel. So that was, like, in the 40s, right? When That's when Captain America started. 
um, right. as kind of, you know, pro World War II comic propaganda, you know, to um, rev up the Allied forces and, you know, just bring entertainment to the masses during that time. And then Timely kind of, I think it kind of died, it's, it's died its death. But then later on, like in the 60s, I think is when Marvel kind of as a company started like coming into itself and like starting really well-known titles like the Fantastic Four, um, the X-Men, et cetera. So there's, there's, there's a lot of history there, but yeah, there's, I guess you could say start either in the forties or the sixties, depending on what your start date is. If you're here for Steve Tony purposes, um, Steve got his start when Magic was talking about like that um, in Captain America, the first Avenger, when you see the kids flipping through the comic, that's an actual cover for a Captain America comic that was published. I don't know when that came out. I don't know if it was Captain America number one, probably, probably that's what it was. But um, Tony was born in the 60s. So uh, that's when that's when he dates too. So yeah. there is a lot of history. And you can start at the beginning, uh, but like I wouldn't recommend it. There's a lot of ways to get into it. Why don't we talk about that? Yeah. Um, before we, I, I just want to say fun fact: Steve and Tony shared a comic title called "Tales of Suspense" for like a yes. hundred issues or so. Oh, yeah. So like, really, they were always meant to be because like how the issues work is that like half of the Tales of Suspense issue was about Captain America and half of the Tales of Suspense issue was about Iron Man. Like they're literally always side by side. So take take that as you will. I think their first meeting is like, um, isn't that the one where there's a Tony lookalike and it's not really Tony? Yeah, they're, it's the chameleon. Right, it's the chameleon. That's their very the first meeting. Tony. Yeah. That's the first Tales of Suspense issue they're both in, yeah. I feel like that's, that's some kind of precedent for their relationship. But at the end of it, they like shake and they make up and they're like, it all came out in the wash, right? It's a real line. I love them. I love them. <laughs> um, Should we also mention how to actually find and acquire comics before we start talking about which ones we like to start with? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, you can go to your comic book store and, you know, pick up some uh, comics that come out once a week. Uh, you can go to a bookstore and you can buy them in graphic novels, which will be collected uh, paperbacks or hardcovers of multiple comic issues. But the way I would recommend for people who want to just see if they like uh, comics is to subscribe to a month of Marvel Unlimited, which is sort of like Netflix but for comics so you can read pretty much every comic Marvel has ever made as long as it's older than three months old so if you like anything that we're going to talk about you can just you know go to the website look it up start reading the comic it's it's they make it really easy these days they do they even have like rack lists put together put together by Marvel themselves so like um they have like lots of different ways you can filter on it and approach it and like sort through their vast collection of everything they've ever published. But like, I really like that you can be like, I want to read about the Scarlet Witch and they'll be like, okay, here's everything that Wanda's ever been in, which is like cool. <laughs> and you can do that for Steve or Tony too, obviously. Maybe we should talk about where we all started reading because I know that like everybody gets into comics differently. 
Um, and that's usually people's like question, like, where do I start? There's so much of it. Who wants to feel that? Where did I start? Yeah. Or where do you want other people to start? <laughs> no, where did you start? <laughs> You're right. Look, I was simultaneously reading Civil War, Hickman Avengers, and Volume 1. So, like, don't start where I started. <laughs> Pick one of those. That's valid. Why would you say don't do that? It, it might be a little bit much at one time. Right. I think we're trying not to overwhelm people. Right, okay. I always say to start with Man Out of Time. Yeah. I think you can't go wrong with Man Out of Time. Yeah. And I'll say why. Please. Which is that it's, it's a retelling of Steve's... Uh, origin story and how he meets the Avengers. It's a modern comic, so it will be done more with a modern sensibility and modern artwork and a modern narrative style, which a lot of people might find easier to get into than the older comics, which I like, but they, they are a bit of an acquired taste sometimes. So this has taken the old story and rewritten it to be more modern. It's a five-issue miniseries, so it's pretty short. So uh, you will be able to tell very quickly whether or not you like it. And it's also really, really slashy for Steve and Tony. Uh, Tony takes Steve to the, uh, what is it? The Air and Space Museum and a Radiohead concert, the, right? The actual Air and Space Museum, the one in Dulles, not the one in DC proper, which is better. Like the one in Dulles is better. Anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> I, I really like the end of it personally for Steve. I don't know if I, can I spoil that at a time? Yeah, it came out in like um, 2010. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So so Steve gets a chance to go back to 1945 at the end. And he goes there and he realizes that he doesn't actually want to be in 1945 at all. It's racist and sexist. And uh, he wants to be in the future where people need him with the Avengers and with Tony. And so he just, he goes right back to the Avengers. He, he decides to live in the present and He's, you know, he'll always miss the past, but he knows he lives in the future, the present, now. And I think that's really great for Steve, honestly. That's one of my favorite characterization points about him. Wow, imagine that. I know. Imagine I feel a like canon so that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's um, a point of contention for a lot of MCU fans. Um, so I guess I'll go next. So I'm going to say like what comics I think you should start, which I totally agree with Sign. It should be Captain America Man Out of Time before the research she said. And I'll also give an alternate rec, which feels like counterintuitive to the 616 agenda, right? But first of all, I would say that um, Brian Michael Bendis's New Avengers Volume 1, it came out in 2004, was really, um, I think if you had listened to our earlier interview with Barrett, um, we found out that Avengers are really not that popular, like for a really long time. And actually, like Bendis's new Avengers kind of really started making the Avengers like kind of popular and like kind of bringing them into the limelight for like the Marvel Universe as a whole, because there's a lot of popular characters you probably all already know, like Wolverine's on the Avengers, Spider-Man's on the Avengers, Steve and Tony are obviously on the Avengers. And it was really kind of meant to like as like a starting point, but a lot of people like they really wanted like the Avengers to be more popular and have all these like big names and to have it be like a flagship sort of comic title. And I think it's just fun. Like, and there's a lot of Steve and Tony stuff. Like Steve like looks sadly at Tony and like asked him to start the Avengers again. And Tony wants to say no, but like Steve has his puppy dog eyes and Tony can't say no, right? So that's kind of like issue one or two of the, of the series. And my other rec for starting is 
I'm sorry, but I'm actually going to say that the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon is a great like way to get into like the feeling of 616. And it's a cartoon, by the way. Um, it was two seasons long, but it basically kind of adapted a lot of early 616 stories because like maybe you'll find like you don't want to read like the really early comics. They have a lot of text, the art's a little older, but like having it in cartoon form like just makes it really palatable. And you can kind of see like, oh, you know, that's who the Wasp is, that's who Ant-Man is, like these really foundational Avengers. And they just adapt like all these early arcs and, and you kind of get a feeling for like the Avengers as a family. So I think I, I tell people, yes, read comics, but also watch EMH. It's a great starting point. <laughs> um i totally nice. uh, yeah i totally agree with that um you stole all of my recs but i don't even care because you're right and that's those are both those are all really really good places to start i think i started with civil war um that's not true i started with tales of suspense but right after that i think at the time i was getting into comics um matt fractions run was happening in iron man so that's what was coming out uh twice a month I guess and so that's what I was reading and that was the Iron Man exposure I had and I don't recommend that run only because I think that sometimes we've talked about this um before but I think Sign said it best one time I think this was you Sign and you said Matt Fraction takes uh he comes onto these books and he takes established characterization and then he kind of like throws it out the window and he decides like I'm gonna write an OC but it's gonna be Tony Stark or like Clint Barton is another one I'm thinking of. So I wouldn't recommend Matt Fraction to start. That's Iron Man volume five. I don't know. They mess with the numbering like halfway through the run. Uh, and I don't want to scare people off by talking about numbering because like it's it's largely nonsense and I think it should be like ignored. Um, you can always look up like the run you need without knowing what numbering it is. Um, ask someone we'll tell you ask us literally come to our discord and yeah. ask us <laughs> there's, we have a channel for this there's always somebody who knows and you can be like it's like google searching it's like i know these keywords tony stark cut off foot very sad and then somebody will be like oh you're talking about volume four director of shields and i'll be like yes that's exactly it <laughs> um <laughs> that's what you want i started also that so then right after that i jumped to civil war because i read that fic that sign read uh, wrecked resurrection uh the three r's that's what i call it because i always I didn't wreck that you didn't wreck that, that wasn't me that was magic fuck. magic wrecked and mended everything by them fuck i'm sorry i have no short short-term memory um it's a great <laughs> wreck but that's like that's how a lot of people like make the jump from comics to comics fandom i think in steve tony circles specifically and so did i so like i read that and i was like oh well this big fight happened what was that so i looked it up and that was civil war and i read it and i got to this one issue and it's called the confession and you'll know it when you see it and i don't want to spoil now i'm the one who's like i don't want to spoil this but it came out in 2006 so <laughs> steve is dead right he's dead and his body is cold and tony goes to visit his body and he talks to him for a whole issue and this is also written by brian michael bendis whose avengers run is like still one of the best for me like hands down top five comics things ever that i've enjoyed um steve steve's body is on this table and tony sits next to it and he cries and the last page is like incredibly gay and <laughs> i read this and i sat back and i was like deeply moved by it and i was like is this real 
And then I was like, do they have like a canonical homosexual relationship in the comics? They don't. <laughs> um, I mean, we've we've spent many hours and many words uh, making the case for it, obviously, in our fandom, but they don't as of right now. Um, but reading this issue made me think maybe they do. So I wouldn't really recommend Civil War, the event as a whole, for reasons I mentioned in the early interview part. Like, it's, it's a Bush-era event. It's very clear. Um, nobody really wants to revisit the Patriot Act. Uh, a lot of it is very blatantly the writers putting these heroes in positions that they would never be in and making them act out of character compared to what came before. But there is a lot of like, and I don't really like seeing my heroes fight. Like that's not a thing. That's not a flavor I particularly seek out in my comics, but I do really live for interpersonal relationship angst. And the relationship that Steve and Tony have in 616 is so intimate, like not in a, not in a sexual way, but like, I would liken it, like, the, the closest media relationship I think I could liken it to is, like, Kirk and Spock in the sense that they have been deep, deep close friends for years and years and years, and, like, they can predict the moves that the other is going to make, right? And they really don't want to fight, and when they do fight, it's rare, and it's big, and it's ugly, and I like the complexities of that, so that's what Civil War really brings to the table. Um, yeah. I think, um, Keith, since you were talking about Civil War, I think we could also talk about, so there's a lot of comics out there with Steve or Tony and Steve and Tony, but it really feels like six on six fan, like Steve Tony fandom really focuses in on particular runs, particular eras. So do you want to maybe, we can maybe talk about like very famous like runs or comics that you should probably read if you really want to get involved in fandom, of which like Civil War is, Absolutely. Like, I would say it's the number one. Like you need to read Civil War if you want to get into 616 Tony fandom because it's kind of like foundational for the fandom. But there's a few other comics too that like are really famous in the fandom if you want to read fic and you want to like start writing fic that people kind of gather around. Yeah, that's a really great point. It is really, I would say it's required reading. I just wouldn't start there. Um, the three of us actually wrote a getting into comics document, which is like really useful. And I'm going to refer to it now because I can't keep everything in my brain pan. Um, but who has events they want to start with like that or moments? I don't know that I wanted to start talking about it, but I feel like since you mentioned the confession, I want to mention the oath. Yes. Oh <laughs> so the oath is the end of the event Civil War II. So if you like Civil War or if you hated Civil War, it doesn't matter because there's another one anyway. Marvel likes so in to Civil do War that. II, yeah. <laughs> They're like, you like the first one, you'll like the second one. You bought the first one, you'll buy the second one. Right. And they don't really so, have anything to do with each other. Like that's that's usually no. the rule. If something is named the same thing as an earlier thing, it probably doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, they just like reusing the names. Okay, so so the oath is the end of Civil War II. So there's a really famous panel at the end of the confession that Kier was referring to where uh, Steve is dead and Tony is sitting next to his body. And the oath pretty much opens with that in reverse where Tony is in a coma because he's, Carol has shot him at the end of Civil War II and Steve is sitting there next to him. 
So I should also mention at this point that Steve is evil. So a lot of, there are some uh, contentious feelings, I guess you would call them about this run because of the particular way in which Steve is evil. But the important thing for our purposes is that we have a canonical love confession. Yeah. Okay. So it's a canonical love confession, but there's caveats to it because Marvel doesn't let us have nice things. So during this run, Steve is Hydra. Don't worry about it. It gets fixed. It's a mess. Uh, as Science said, there are lots of contentious feelings. And uh, okay, so what happens in the event right before this event is an event where they make Carol and Tony. No, no, no. Sorry. This is the event. So Civil War II, that's what we were talking about. They make Carol and Tony, who have been like very, very long time friends, fight. Uh, and like the whole big climax of the, this event is like an airborne fight where Carol punches Tony over something really dumb and Tony ends up in a coma. So in this panel sign is referring to, Tony is in a coma and he's in like this little pod that's not explained till this day, but that like keeps him alive somehow and, uh, you know, preserved. And so at this point, Steve goes in, he like sits next to him and he says, uh, I loved you. Uh, well, he's referring to like his former like non-evil self and he's like, he loved you even when we fought. Like that's written down in words. It's explicit, but it's made when Steve is evil. So like it's complicated, I guess yeah. I would say. It's, I think the explanation ended up being like this, this Hydra cap had every single like memory and he knew like what, like the regular Steve, like the Steve we know and love, like Belts, right so like he like kind of was like this observed like this evil observer who was looking at this Steve's feelings and was like well obviously like this is love like he this this guy obviously loves Tony and he is not really happy about it like and he kind of uses that love like a mocking like because he's evil in Hydra but you know right I think he sees it as a weakness almost like he sees it as something that prevents him from fulfilling his true evil destiny like it's holding him back Tony because they're such like a huge part of each other's lives for better or for worse. Not to use marriage language, but like they're kind of married. I mean, there's- They're kind of compared to a marriage several times. Yeah. They are, even the Aven the Avengers do it all the time. They're like, mom and dad are fighting, yeah. uh, you know, let them work it out. There's this one scene that comes to mind during, um, oh, what is the run when they're in new Adelan um, and it's snowing and all the Avengers are looking on while Steve and Tony fight like very loudly and in like I think it must be Bendis because there's a lot of speech bubbles um <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though right um, yes, I don't yeah. know what I don't know what is, what issue it is but they're arguing and Steve has come back from the dead and he's wearing this new like blue commander suit and he has like the the balance of power is slightly different and they're both still mad at each other and they're like trying really hard to work through their grief and like their resentment and they're fighting like very publicly in the snow as if the rest of the world has like fallen away. And I know it's comics and I know that you can argue things about like field of view and like how much you want to show and how framing works. But like this is just a repeating thing with them. Their, their disagreements are, I would say, as, as public as their affection often. And in that scene, one of the other characters watching them fight says uh, something like, they love each other, they just have some stuff to work out. Yeah, that's um, that's a really good 
summary of them in 616 I feel that is it is their relationship but they always come back to each other which is really touching and it makes me keep reading them because there's just like there's so much to experience with them on the like emotionally over and over again yeah and I think I feel like they also know it like we talked about like how they kind of feel like a marriage but at the end of this mini series called Avengers Prime which was kind of their um, aftermath of civil war and they had they're still like feeling a little hurt with each other you know they still love each other the ending of Avengers Prime is basically Tony like turning to Steve and just like telling him like I don't remember the exact words but it's it's basically along the lines of you know like you make me a better person like I always like I want to be by your side because you make me a better person which sounds like something you would say is your marriage vows so and then Steve just hugs him by the way so you know they they know they're better together so it hurts when they're not together right I would also just to interject that's a really good starting place I would argue I know it's like it's weird because it happens in the middle of all these like really intense events with lots of backstory but part of the fun of reading comics is like you can kind of dive in anywhere to a point I'm gonna regret saying this later but I do I do think if you're the type of personality who like is like oh I'll just like I'll just sample it like this is a fun place to sample because it's a self-contained five issue series Um, and if you like it it will lead you to like go back and be like oh well what were they talking about here and then it'll like lead you to several jumping off points to keep exploring the larger comics universe i love avengers prime talk about identity porn i want to talk about identity (laughs) porn now because that's that's an important difference between (laughs) comics and the mcu yeah why don't you um define that for us since you write since you write it in every other thick you write i mean that so fondly i mean it so fondly oh i know i know okay so identity porn is actually a term we uh owe to dc comics fandom so really it's intended to describe yeah yeah Petra actually came up with it all right um so uh so it so it's for fic about the relationship between two characters where one of them is secretly two people and the other character doesn't know that basically so like in DC it would be the like Clark Kent Superman Lois Lane kind of thing okay so, like, you know how at the end of Iron Man 1, Tony is supposed to tell everybody that Iron Man is his bodyguard, and he goes off script and tells them that he's Iron Man? So 616 is like that, except he he just pretends to be his bodyguard for, like, 20 straight years. He pretends to be his bodyguard. 20 straight years to the Avengers, I should say, and, like, 40 straight years to everyone else. So nobody knows that Tony and Iron Man are the same person. <laughs> He lives in a house with these people, which is why I'm laughing. It's like the flimsiest fucking like premise ever, but you know, it works for him, I guess, until it doesn't, of course. Until a villain peels him out of his armor and leaves him standing there in his red thong and Steve staring at him and being like, Iron Man? Right. Tony? Tony, you're Iron Man? Um, at this point, there's a lot of nudity <laughs> in comics. Yeah, that's a perk, actually. Near nudity. There's a lot of nudity. Um, you might be thinking at this point, that ca- can't possibly be canon. Tony Stark standing there in a red thong, it's more likely than you think. It is not hyperbole. That's really what happens. Um, again, perk. Uh, this is a thing that MCU doesn't have. They don't have identity porn at any point, And I feel like it's really foundational to Steve and Tony's relationship. Um, because Steve 
is on a team with Iron Man, right? They fight together. They live together. Um, but, you know, I feel like, I mean, think of the, the relationship confessional potential in this identity porn. A lot of fan works in 616, especially like centering on early canon, explore this. Tony drops this eventually. And then there's a few times where he like mind wipes people so he can keep up the ruse again. And then like comes out, I think that happens twice. Sign, I think Sign probably will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, no, that sounds right. Yeah, it's twice. And then by the time we're into like modern age, I would say, uh, like I think I think by the time we're we're in volume four, we've dispensed with the identity porn premise, and everybody just knows that Tony Stark is Iron Man publicly, and it's not we we haven't gone back from that point. Um, but the middle of Civil War, he comes out actually. The middle of Civil. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. It's the front lines number one. He gives a press conference and he says that he wants to unmask to prove that you know he's pull, putting his money where his mouth is with respect to registration. And he pulls off his helmet and he says, uh, "My name is Tony Stark and I'm an alcoholic." Oh, I forgot oh, about that because yeah, Tony. I forgot about so that's, that. You know, your major character beats right there for Tony, huh? <laughs> like all of them <laughs> wind up. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about volume three, where I think he's briefly unmasked. Um, and I was carrying that over to volume four, which is where that was coming from. Yeah. Uh, where he saves the dog. Yeah, he, the dog. He, he he risks his superhero identity to save a puppy. This is also real. He like jumps in front of a car and it looks very much like a spaniel puppy. So like close to my heart. I love oh. that panel. Um, I reference, but like, that's also a really fine distillation of Tony Stark's character because he's quite different from MCU. Uh, in my opinion um, mm -hmm. it's subtle but like the, his character beats are like definitely distinct I think we should talk about that for both Steven for, for Tony because it's like a draw for me yeah definitely um, before we go into like the character characters can can we talk a little bit about how like Tony gave Steve a home just as if we're talking about like how Steve and Tony's relationship is different <laughs> oh yeah yeah so um in 616, the Avengers are not related to S.H.I.E.L.D. like when they start off. They're just a group of superheroes that all come together and realize, hey, we work better as a team, so we'll just do our thing. And they're the, and Tony is part of these Avengers. There's also the Wasp and Ant-Man and Thor and Hulk for like two issues. But um, anyway, they, they are the ones who find Steve in the ice. So that means they are the ones who defrost Steve and they are the first people that he talks to when he gets defrosted. So actually like Iron Man is the first voice Steve ever hears out of the ice, which I find so romantic. And Tony does too, because he always talks about how he can never forget the day that he met Steve Rogers. So um, but anyway, like... uh, they're, so, <laughs> they're so in love. So yeah, but then so Tony was like, because he's like a he's he's still keeping up his like identity porn thing, like, oh, you know, no one knows Tony Stark and Iron Man are the same people, but since he's bodyguarding for Tony Stark, Tony like offers up the Avengers mansion to the Avengers. They're like, we you know since we're a team now, we should have like a team headquarters. So they all have rooms in the Avengers mansion, they all gather there, like they all live together. So like Steve that is like a really important part of like Tony and Steve's characterization 616 they were never really like 
alone in like the superhero sense. They always have like a support network of superheroes, like from the very beginning, which really dramatically, dr like drastically changed like everything about like how they think about superheroes and everything. But anyways, I said see like Tony gave Steve a home because like there is totally a panel that they reference in Civil War and where that's, it's that's kind a of the namesake, up. yeah, the namesake of our Discord server where it's Steve tells Tony, you gave me a home, so. It's really but. touching. <laughs> I just think they're neat. <laughs> they're friends at the beginning too. We should say that, that they're friends at the beginning. None of this like MCU frenemy stuff, like learning to love each other. They already love each other. Yeah. They just start out loving each other. Right. It's, it's a little weird. It's very actually. like friends to friends for like decades to enemies to friends to enemies to friends to enemies. And then hopefully we will write in the lovers a bit to lovers a bit. But yeah, they're very much friends as like a baseline for the relationship. Right. I feel like keeping them as like, uh, part of shield in the mcu really detracts from their friendship and like their ability to be friends that's not really a shield problem that's more of like a military industrial advertising problem um which i don't really think i mean the the comics do suffer from that to an extent also like tony is an ethical tony is like an ethical billionaire fantasy right um and steve is literal war propaganda which is really fascinating to think about because we've come like a very long way from that um, in 2020, but like also not so far. Just just thoughts. So you want to talk about the uh, character differences in between uh, Steve and Tony in their comics and movie? Yeah, yeah. It was something you said in the interview section that I wrote down, um, which was I understand why people would follow Captain America, which is. And that's like a lot more present for me in 616 than it is in MCU. Um, and I'm trying to think about why that is. And I don't quite have an answer yet, but like, I'm going to come up with one. Um, Steve is like fundamentally, hmm, I don't know. Steve has a lot of anger issues in 616, but it's on top of like, hmm, I don't know. What do you think, Sign? What do you think about the about character? about what makes him followable yeah in 616 i think actually it's like a consequence of how much canon there is like the weight of history on him he has like mcu takes place in more or less real time right right so like they've only been you know together for you know x many years i i don't even know what the mcu chronology is don't ask me but like Comics just keep shoving more and more and more into this 10 or 15 year time span so that Steve is always the person you go to who has a track record of being able to like save the world or the galaxy or the universe, the multiverse, you know, he's done it before. Like, you know, nobody is going to be intimidated by Ultron because that's just Ultron and they can do that. They can fight, you know, Ultron or Thanos. They've thought like Thanos, like, you know, five or six times now, probably, you know, sometimes they've died and come back. Yeah. But, you know, they can, whatever it is, he's got this. Like he can, he can, he can lead the team. He can save the world. Like, and everybody knows that about him. And I think people trust him. Like, I think people see him as like a confidant and a rock, not the X-Men obviously, but like mm -hmm. the Avengers. 
the X-Men don't like Steve. Like, <laughs> he's, he's very different if you start on the X side of things. And, like, that's probably okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is true for both Steve and Tony, but I guess all, we're talking about Steve right now. Like, he's, like, over the span of his many decades of comics, like, he has had to grapple with, like, being quote unquote Captain America and like having to like represent America and what that means like when you look at like America's history and it's something like he has like um let go of the shield for this like he has like given it back and be and like said like I can't like do this you know like I can't be an icon for like a country that I don't feel really like represents my ideals and so he does like a lot of soul searching and he's actually like quite like um, introspective too which I think Tony is as well but there's a lot of that sort of stuff in the comics but then in the end like um, well it's like comics never change but also like you know and usually Steve like has to kind of come back and be like well you know like I still want to like do the most good I can in the world so even if I have like these like moral issues and ethical issues like, I still feel like I'll do like I could be like the best person I can be and like help people the most if I am Captain America. So I also feel like that also like to me makes him feel like more followable. Like he's definitely someone who's grappled with a lot of these issues over the years. So I like that about him. Yeah, I agree. I like that answer. I do too. That was really well said. Um, I do like that he he thinks about his, his role as a mascot um, and how he doesn't want to be that. But he also thinks he's got a line and he like <laughs> every once in a while he has a tantrum and he's like, I'm not going to be Captain America anymore. And usually it's for really good reasons. But in one of them, he's like, my only my only duty is to the dream or something or like I'm loyal only to the dream, you know, uh, like rather than America because he's Captain America. But I think he's really acutely aware of his history and um, but he's not willing to like wear it just because it's a thing he's done you know like he he does grow and change as a character um over the years but like also he's so he's more stubborn than god jesus christ in 616 <laughs> and it leads to fights i would say so can i can i build on that a little and go back to something that i guess both you and magic were talking about which is that i think that steve often has a lot of angst about how to live up to um being Captain America and being this symbol that is larger than himself when he knows that he is only just a person and that he often wonders who he is when he's not Captain America. Like, what would he do? Can he have a normal life? Is that a possibility for him? What would it look like? You know, how can he like be Steve and Captain America at the same time? Which I think is really interesting when you contrast it with Tony, whose major source of angst, I would argue, is that he doesn't want to be Tony Stark. Yeah, I would totally mm -hmm. agree with that. That's Tony's main conflict, like, to this day. <laughs> Um, which I love. I mean, he's a big angst muffin and an emo kid and he cries in a corner a lot often as he's like racing to plug in his heart before it fails. And he's like very dramatic and he monologues dramatically about like, woe is me. I don't deserve to be happy, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he like, he's, he's sort of, it's, it's sort of not his fault. And I'm going to say, this is why I'm going to say that. Like, so Tony's origin story in the comics, uh, it gets, it used to be he was in Vietnam and now it's been retconned to Afghanistan. So we call it Vietganistan. Um, 
and something new now actually oh what's what is it now it is now Sian Kong which is an entirely fictional country in which the fictional Sian Kong war took place because I guess we've decided to divorce all of this from Vietnam now cool so Tony is in a war and it's a messy war it's not like a it's not like a clean cut war I'm, I'm making air quotes with my fingers you can't see me uh, I'm being sarcastic uh, I feel like I feel like Steve has a different experience as in war than Tony does because World War II was very very differently than was very different than a, a conflict like Vietnam where it's long it's drawn out it's messy nobody wants to be in it the U.S. won't fucking pull out um, so Tony is in a war and he's in an accident and he is forced to build weapons in most versions. Um, and he's like, fuck that. I'm going to build myself a suit, but also his heart is damaged in the process. So he's forced in 616 to wear this chest plate in early canon. He can't ever take it off. It's part of his body. So his origin story is like a disabling event for him. Um, whereas Steve is like, the polar opposite and he goes from a scrawny thing to like big powerful man right which is like a, a totally different thing which also fascinates me endlessly but tony is coming from this place of like okay well now i have this thing on my chest and like i have these abilities and i should do something with it right like i should do good so he's a hero but he's also very torn because he's like he, he, I think he fundamentally sees Iron Man as like the better version of him, but also totally separate from him. And sometimes I, th I think he's frequently more ashamed of being Tony Stark and he would like to just disappear into Iron Man, which really feeds into his identity porn problem. Um, and like- He does say that actually. What, what does he say? He, 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 it's um, the end of Demon in a Bottle. He, before he, you know, finally decides not to drink, he's, you know, this is where the like rock bottom as far as demon in a bottle goes as we all know it gets worse than that but he says uh something like being tony stark is causing all of my problems i'll just stop being tony stark right exactly <laughs> tony that, that's like that's the dream <laughs> um if only we could all we could all slough it on and off like a chameleon skin uh, but he really can't, like, he really can't leave the identity of Iron Man, which I think is really fascinating in sort of a similar way that parallels the way Steve can't, like, leave Captain America because he's so iconic, but, like, they're very different. Parallel, but not the same. Yeah, I guess they both kind of have their issues with, like, being Steve and Tony versus, like, Captain America and Iron Man, but, I mean, like, they're linked and they, they, can, they, they understand each other, too, I think. Right. There's also the piece of them both like being larger than life. Tony Stark first, probably, and then Steve's piece is Cap, who would be larger than life. Although, like, Steve Rogers does become like a very, like, I would I would say we were talking about like why why can you rely on Cap, and it's because you can re rely on Steve Rogers. I think. Mm -hmm. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we're like, really we're really getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to get into i know like, there's so much like stuff to like they're they're foils of each other right and it's it's yeah. very intentional that they're foils to each other so if you start talking about one you're gonna start talking about the other like because the avengers definitely like puts them up as two people who are very similar but very different at the same time and you know like a little i don't know like literary analysis media analysis brain loves it so they're very fun. It is, it is very satisfying to think about that. There are so many layers 
And they are a set. You can just bounce them off each other all day. That was a little dirty. I'm sorry. I didn't mean for that to sound that way. <laughs> I meant thematically. Um. <laughs> Man. Are there any big comics moments that we like to write and talk about that we've missed? Oh, we should talk about his alcohol, Tony's alcoholism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> and Red Zone, maybe. I don't know. That's like a moment. That's not like required. It's just fun. Red Zone is where their lips meet. There's a whole page of their lips touching. It's great. Very romantic. Like the way it, the page was drawn. <laughs> like, yeah, you it's see like the silhouettes. <laughs> Yeah, against like a sunset-y kind of background. Um, it definitely looks like they're kissing and there's like debris around them. And like one of the pieces of debris looks like a little heart. We're also not making this up. It's real. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, also the Illuminati probably we should talk about. That's a thing. Okay. Although that's newer. It's not as important. Yeah, I, I definitely think about Tony's alcoholism is definitely gigantic <laughs> right okay so let's talk about his alcoholism um so what do we have in terms of that in mcu not a lot we got kind of like a lukewarm take on it in iron man 2 and it's not really addressed or talked about but in in 616 it's a huge characterization point um to the point where he loses his company and almost dies because of it and then spends the rest of his um continuity trying to stay sober and largely being very successful at that. Um, but I think that's, I think the, the magnitude of that for him is notable in the sense that like, he doesn't like authors don't let him slip back into his alcohol, alcoholism, like all that much. The few points that happens are like few and far between. And he is always very, very, very upset about it. Um, and like the clock resets immediately. So I think that uh, I think that it's it's cool that I think that it is it is you can mark how big it is by how much people don't touch it because you can retcon lots of things but I don't think that's one of them. I was so tempted to say that the second drinking arc was my favorite in the previous segment. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that arc so much. It's a good choice. So, yeah. So, so the the arc the, he has two big alcoholism arcs the one with name recognition is demon in a bottle which is the first drinking arc and that's the one that everybody like has heard of as a drinking arc it's one where uh tony's armor is manipulated so he um kills someone against his will while he's in the armor and this um really messes it up and he starts drinking and uh you know, goes through that. And the thing is, that's only like eight, nine issues long. Maybe he, he gets sober in like a page. There's like what this one big splash page. And it's like, and at the end, you know, he's fine. And like, like, he's just going to go on. And then a couple years later, uh, Denny O'Neill starts writing Iron Man. And he's like, no, we're going to really delve into this. So there's the second drinking arc, which doesn't really have a name. So we just call it the second one. And this is like 40 entire issues. Like he spends 20 issues hitting rock bottom until he's like uh, freezing to death in a snowstorm. And then there's 20 more issues like building him back up and like really getting into um, like his recovery and his sobriety. And like it really, it spends a lot of time in it in a way that like, I think is honestly really like great. So if you like Tony angst, like that is, 
if you like his alcoholism angst, I guess that is what you should read. I don't know what I was going to say about that. Oh, I was going to say, yes, these arcs happen in the 80s. Um, and uh, the character Delving is really, really thoughtful in a way that few arcs since have been. That was my point that I really wanted to make about the alcoholism thing. Because he's like, he's so, he's so upset and he's like, he's being crushed by it. And I feel like other arcs of his have like touched on depression, but nothing touches on his addiction like this. And like, he has a lot of metamorphosis arcs, I would say. And he is forced to re-envision himself and like rebuild himself in a myriad, in like myriad ways over time. Right. Um, But it's, it's like rock bottom here. It is the lowest low. Um, so, you know, all you angst weasels out there, that that one might be for you. Steve's in it too, by the way. Um, it's, a, it's a point of contention in their relationship. Uh, not only in this, this issue, but also, you know, moving forward in the timeline. Uh, but in this issue, I mean, uh, sorry, not this issue, this run, this arc, <laughs> Steve uh, visits Tony in this shitty a uh, motel room and a flop house and there's a fire and Tony's like really drunk and he's got like facial hair that he hasn't shaved and he's really sad and Steve yells at him actually because he sees it as like kind of a failure of character and that's I wish they would address that <laughs> that's one thing I, I would like to see addressed again someday um, and Steve yells at him and you know and then this building goes up in flames and he carries Tony bridal style out of it and goes back um, but he says, a man has to want to be helped. Let me know when you do, which I'm sure was sort of a reflection on how alcoholism was seen at the time as a moral failing um, and not like a disease. <laughs> uh, but that's really interesting. And that's I think that's one of Steve's lowest moments as well because of that. I have a question for you. I have a question for everybody. What's your favorite canon moment that we haven't talked about yet? What's your favorite slashy moment in the slashy moments list? Oh, we should talk about what the slashy moments list is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Why don't you do that? You brought it up. So the slashy moments list is part is a list administered by the Cap Iron Man community, formerly on Live Journal, now on Dreamwidth and every other platform. Um, so one of the things that they do in addition to running all of the challengers, which you have probably seen since they also run, except they also accept MCU work, um, they maintain the slashy moments list of basically every panel in the comics that anyone thought was slashy, uh, like cross-reference, there's an index and you can, you know, pull up your favorite slashy moment. It's very useful and fun. <laughs> and it's very long. Because it's every slashy moment ever, and there are so many of them. Yeah. I think it ends then around, like, we haven't updated it since, like, 2010-ish or so, but there's still a lot, a lot before that. So um, I guess to answer the question of top canon moment that we haven't talked about yet, I want to talk about the Azure Eyes issue, uh, which is a... It's a one-off issue. It's Tales of Suspense. I actually have it pulled up on my tab now because I'm on the Slashy Moments list. Tales of Suspense, Volume 2, 1995. And 
well, like the super sloshy bit that, you know, like you probably have seen in panels is um, like Tony, his internal monologue, he's thinking about um, Captain America. I look at your handsome face into your clear azure eyes and, you know, that's really, really gay. But um, what I really like about that canon moment is basically it's Steve and Tony internal monologuing about each other and their thoughts on each other. And so for Tony, first of all, he's thinking like Steve is super handsome, but he's also thinking that like, you know, Steve is such like a good person who like will do good. And like, he feel he like, he sees kind of in Steve, like someone who like, doesn't have the same insecurities that Tony does as a person because you know Tony has a lot of a lot of self-worth issues and he sees Steve and he's like this man is like amazing and I like think he's the best and etc but at the same time Steve is in his internal monologue about Tony he's thinking like wow like Tony Stark is so cool like he I'm like this guy who came from the past so I don't really I can't innovate like I'm just like I just do what I do but like I can't like build the future like I I'm not like I don't have that sort of thinking or that sort of brain for that but Tony can like he's the person who like is going like, to shape the future so at the same time they're looking at each other and working with each other and they're like wow this other person is so much more amazing than I am but it's like they're kind of like jealous and they're like having inferiority conflicts they also like are very much like wow this person's like amazing they always like want to like work together and like be this person's friend because they're just so cool <laughs> but yeah but that's a fun that's a very fun issue i love that thank you for sharing do you want me to go next or do you have sure. do you have one in mind okay mine's angsty i'm still looking okay so i'll go mine's angsty mine is again from civil war i was gonna say the confession the very end but actually I really like Casualties of War better, which is a little interlude where Steve and Tony go to the ruins of Avengers Mansion. That happened in a dark period. Don't worry about it. If you get into comics, you'll learn all about it. It happened during Avengers Disassembled, and we don't like to speak of it. Um, but they go to the ruins of Avengers Mansion to like parlay in the middle of their big international political socio-political fight about this this superhero registration act right and they want to see if there's like one last time that they can you know try and speak with each other as just steve and tony and like fix it before more people die because their friends have died at this point and it's it's bad and um they're both they're both angry and they're both sad and they come and they end up fighting and there's just this moment where they're like one of them is like, I wish we, we should have talked sooner. And the other is like, yeah. And it's just a panel of them next to each other. And they're like looking looking away from each other. And then they leave in silence. And it really hits me because like you can feel decades of friendship being unraveled in that moment. That's the shit I love. But then it gets fixed in Avengers Prime. So like the hug at the end is like really, really choice because Tony's speech is like, look, I love you. He doesn't say I love you, but like he basically says I love you. He's just like, you make me better. There's nobody I'd rather be standing next to than you. Like, I, I really want to earn your trust and your friendship back again. And Steve, as Magic mentioned earlier, is like so overcome by this. And he's he just hugs Tony because words fail him. And that's them. That's their whole thing. And I love them. So those two are mine. What about you, Sign? I hope we didn't steal yours. 
no, no. I'm I'm going with one that I don't think anybody ever mentions, but it's just it's just a little moment on the slashing moments list here. Please. It's from uh, Avengers one forty. Yeah, I don't know the number. Doesn't matter, does it? So. Before I give my slashy moment, I need to preface this with the explanation that Steve and Tony are not always Avengers at the same time. The, the, the Avengers roster changes a lot over the years, and it is not always the case that they will both be on the team at the same time. And this moment is from uh, one of them, what, a moment when they're not actually uh, continuously on the team. Okay. Avengers Volume 1, 144. So this is the middle of a mission and they're, they're like saving somebody, they're on the way out. It's just like a little moment and they're working together and they haven't worked together in a while. And they're, they're running out of this building with this random other character. And Steve just says, uh, uh, so Tony has been addressing uh, Steve, obviously. He's, addressing, he's been addressing him specifically as Winghead, which is one of Steve's canonical nicknames, as you know, and Steve, just turns to him and says, you know, Shellhead, nobody's called me Winghead like you just did since I left the Avengers last year. I miss it. Mm. And it's just like, it's just a little thing, but it's just like, I'm just like, oh, you know, like, it's really sweet. They have, they have all these nicknames. They're just, they just really like each other. I mean, sometimes they try to kill each other, but they yeah. just really like each other. Oh, yeah, Winghead, right. Shellhead is important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's their thing. They're so good. They're so good. Um, thank God we have the slashy moments list. If we want to segue to talking about fandom spaces, um, it's a great way to do it. Uh, so this this fandom was born. I feel like this fandom pretty much grew up around uh, Elspeth and uh, Sanchez fic. Like, I feel like that's what started everything. And um, this live journal community grew up around it, like at the end of the 2000s. Um, and that is what we have, uh, that's what we call Cap Iron Man now, but uh, fandom is a little harder to pin down right now, sort of, like, you know, it's, fandom generally has moved from space to space, and this, this fandom is no different, um, but I feel like we've moved away from Live Journal and Dream With, um, and, like, this fandom is a lot more decentralized right now, like, some of it's still on Tumblr, but Tumblr really messed up shit when they did their porn ban, um, and Twitter is like kind of a nightmare for fandom. And then, so we're seeing like a lot of smaller communities pop up on Discord in the last few years, but I don't know if that's where the future of it is. I think it's, I feel like it's just like a, like a stopover point right now. I'm not sure. I'd like to be proven wrong, but um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, when I came into fandom, I was on that Cap Iron Man IRC like every day and I, we kind right. of moved over. We, we moved over to Discord. Like the reason that us three um, were invited by Baird and Flame, thank you, was because we are the Discord server mods of a um, 616 Steve Tony server, which I, I, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of become like the central place for 616 Steve Tony fandom. Maybe I'm just like have a big ego here, but we do have like quite a quite a number of members and we talk about comic Steve Tony all day. So um. all day, every day. I really don't have a sense of like where 616 fandom is happening other than our server. Um, which it like it is a big it's like it's it's almost a thousand member it's almost nine hundred members um right now. 
uh, and it's we're coming up on our fourth birthday. Um, it's like a fancy IRC. Uh, if you don't remember IRC, it's like chat room. No, that's also old. Um, I'm dating <laughs> myself. I'm dating all of us. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like looking time in the face. It's like a it's like a fancy chat room with like multiple channels, so you can have multiple discussions going on at the same time. Um, and it's it's like fairly anonymous, I would say, in a way that Twitter is not. I feel like that's really essential for fandom spaces to like last. Um, is anonymity uh, and Tumblr really did a good job of that until they imploded. I mean, they still do a good job. It's just that I don't think many people are like doing fandom actively on Tumblr as much as they were in like, I don't know, the mid 2010s. So I do think Discord is like a hub. I don't know if it's the hub. I, I choose to believe what Magic said. I choose to believe like Discord is the hub. I just want to hype some of our, our many fine uh, features that we offer to the <laughs> Steve Tony community on our Discord. Um, we, I mean, you can just, if you want to know anything about comics, Steve Tony, somebody on our server will probably either know it or know who to ask who will know it. So if you want to get into the comics, if you just don't even want to read comics, but you just want to read the fic, if you just want to talk about anything involving comics, Steve Tony, we we are there for you. Like we just we just want to you know share our love of comics. Steve Tony, um, we have book clubs at uh, a theoretically bi-week interval where we all well where we pick a particular comic or run or set of comics and we all read them and talk about them and share panels. We discuss the weekly comics as they are coming out we have a channel for that where you can talk about the comic that you just read that just came out today because and how oh, much yeah, you love it about... <laughs> yeah <laughs> so one of the great things about comics actually is that there is canon every week every single wednesday there will be more comics yeah for eternity something will come out so... on a wednesday it is known yeah so you can come there and talk about that or you can ask questions about canon you can um what else do we do um we have lots um, of we have a healthy prompt feed where you can like give people the prompts that you will never write yourself or like you know just a cool idea you had you can share with people we have a brainstorming channel for fan creators to be like hey i have this idea how could i make it better or worse or like help me figure this bit of my thing out you know which is also cool but i think my favorite thing about our server is that we have a lot of fans that are like that have been in comics fandom for decades um and they have so much knowledge to share and it is so cool that we get to interact with them like that i think that's cool it's my favorite mm -hmm. Just having, you know, be being able to talk with like men, like minded people is kind of like the joy of fandom. And we totally have that for 616 Steve Tony fans or, you know, fans who want to get into 616 comics. I will also say I really I don't know if you two use this. I use our AO3 feed because um, it pulls all the Steve Tony works tagged 616 into our into a feed and I don't even check AL3 anymore I just check the feed to see if there's new 616 stuff so just useful things like that yeah we just have lots of little little tips and tricks also we have like really good emoji but they are adult emoji so unfortunately oh. unfortunately it is an adult only space and uh that's because it's 18 plus because we just really wanted to talk about 
things freely without having to worry about like legality the legality yeah Yeah, the legality because you know we talked about how Steve and Tony love each other and that means we also talk a lot about how Steve and Tony love each other in like physical ways too so you know not for not for the minors in there So we designed this to be an adult space for discussing comics. And really the impetus for the creation of this server was that MCU blew up. Like it did not just waltz onto the scene. It waltzed onto the scene and gave us like a show. And then it lodged itself firmly in the minds of everybody, like even tangentially in Marvel fandom and it never left. So uh, Steve Tony fandom kind of got taken over by MCU, but a lot of us prefer to swim around in the comics waters just because like it's what we knew for a long time before that. Um, and we wanted a space where every discussion wasn't being dominated by talking about what was going on in the movies. Cause they're very different versions of the characters. Like I would always, I would go so far as to say that they're like different characters. I don't know how you two feel about that, but um that's that's kind of the logic behind behind the space and how we made it and how we built it. We want to celebrate what we love. Yeah, and we really love these fucking comics. Like, I don't think I'll ever be free. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. No, it's, it's... we should end on that. <laughs> it's okay. We can we will we can we'll still definitely talk like very in depth MCU with you just in the off topic channel. <laughs> Right. That's really our only rule other than the 18 plus. Like if you talk about MCU for a really long time, you have to go to off topic to do it. But like everybody in there also has spicy MCU opinions and is eager to talk about them under the right circumstances. (laughs) Okay. So that was like a really roundabout trip through 616 and kind of the vibes of it and the fandom vibes. Um, And I hope that I hope that it has encouraged people to, especially with the the ending of MCU, to like seek out these different canons and like sort of dip your toes in. And I just want people to know who are listening, like if you've never read a comic, that's fine. Um, If you'd like to read a comic, please trust that there are so many people who would like to help you read the comics. Um, And one one resource is obviously our server, Um, But I'm sure there are other comics corners out there. Um, And like, read a comic, read a fic, see what you think of it. Get a flavor, I guess, um, is what I would tell anybody looking to get into this whole whole thing. Book club is a really good place to start. Um, That's me plugging the server. It's great. Come join, come hang out if you want. Um, And don't be afraid to like, I don't know branch out try something new you might find it that you love it here and i think ferret said that this episode's coming out like in the middle of our little six on six day festivities because um well on the american calendar system like june 16th you could kind of read that as six slash one six right so we are running some like six on six server festivities um, all the way up until June 25th, which is our server's fourth birthday. So now would be a great time to join if you're not already a part of the server. So come party with us. Okay, everybody, it's time for my favorite part of the episode and yours. Time for Tropa!
I feel like at this point it needs its own like uh, theme song. <laughs> I know. I- I'm tempted to like sing and give it one, but I won't do that to everybody. <laughs> um, all right. So last, that uh, made me feel like Safia. All right. All <laughs> so, right. <laughs> last time on Trope Off, we, it was Tony's birthday and we were talking about um, friends with benefits versus outsider POV. And I don't think it was like a huge shocker that friends with benefits won with 76%. No offense Uh, to outsider POV, none at all. But it's, it's hard to pull off. Yeah. And it's not only hard to pull off. I think it's hard to even, I mean, for people like you who write in which there is no, is there nobody else, but Steve and Tony, um, it's hard to remember to incorporate someone. Yeah, I find it that actually the hardest part is um, how to make the, because like I mostly write romance, right? It's how to make the conclusion of the romantic build satisfying when you're not in the head of the person who's involved. Right. So that first kiss or whatever, that moment when they're like, yes, we're finally together. I admit I love you. It, I, I, it doesn't necessarily have the same impact for me from outsider POV unless there's something cleverly done. So like the few times I've done outsider POV, it's been like semi-crack, not semi-cracky, but like I've written Dummies POV and Jarvis's POV. And it's always like the reader understands that Steve and Tony are getting together, but the bots don't, something like that, you know, where it's kind of like cheeky. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I've done it. So the way I could do it would be, um, if we're talking about like an anniversary party or something like that. So like I could do it in established relationship. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And so that's like really fun. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's rough. Plus friends with benefits is just, I don't know, like a gold standard. It's true, but hear me out. Okay. The friend that the character is, has benefits with, is someone they are truly just friends with and have no emotions for that's the pov you get is the friend that they're sleeping with who realizes that they actually have feelings for the other person and you know go forth with like tries to convince them to get together or tries to like trick them into wanting to end the friends with benefits relationship so that they'll start to see the other person or they'll get like sexually frustrated and start to consider other options i don't know sure. i think there's i think there's something there no, I think there definitely could be. I, th- I think for sure they could be. I think a friends with benefits of, and a friends with benefits outsider POV too, like if you want to angst it up is like the X. Yeah. Ooh, dark. Mm-hmm. Dark. I like it. Um, yes. Every once in a while, my uh, my angst side comes out. Um. Well, the week after that, I would say very little angst involved. We have body swap versus clothes sharing okay this one was much closer oh but clothes sharing still took it with a solid 56 percent okay uh and beetle bless her (laughs) replied and said okay but do you not achieve clothes sharing when you body swap i have found the loophole (laughs) (laughs) good job beetle good job still doesn't count for trope off but good job beetle yeah uh i mean yeah i think she's not wrong i do think that like 
inherently there's potentially some close sharing going on when one body swaps, unless the sharing needs to be done in the appropriate bodies. But um, yeah, I think, I think that would have could have gone either way. I think that might've been just the whim of the moment. Cause I could totally see posting that one a different weekend and getting a different answer. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a fascinating. There's a couple of these where it would be really fascinating to just run it again mm. on like a Wednesday. <laughs> Which one did you yeah. pick? Oh, for that one, close sharing. I am not yeah. a body swap fan. It's not very common. I think people like to read it, but not many people write it. So. Yeah, I think it could be, it could be very fascinating to do, but like, I don't like to explore physical bodies as much in my fix. And like part of the body swap thing is the feeling of being in somebody else's brain and body. And I'm not creative enough to explore that in how I write. So it also doesn't seem to intrigue me as a reader. But I don't know why, because like saying it out loud, I'm like, oh, that could be really fun. But I just don't ever gravitate towards them. Yeah. I don't know. I think possibly it just being un, uh, not unpopular, it being uncommon um, mm. means that people also are less likely to think of it, to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I kind of want to do some tag comparisons and see what kind of numbers. Oh, do you know what? Remind me to do this. When trope off is over, what I should do is get the tag numbers and put them in so we can see if there's a correlation between how many fix are tagged with that and then who won. Oh, that could be interesting. Like I was also thinking that to me, body swap is one that is probably a bigger deal in some other fandoms. Very true. Very, very possible. Like I've read a ton more body swap fix in Harry Potter than I have in Marvel. Oh yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even so though there's that, like Marvel magic, you know, and we're talking about 616 right now, and I can't say definitively that body swapping has never happened in the comics. It definitely seems like something that would happen in the comics. Oh, it, have to ask. it has to have happened at least 14 times. But yeah, that just seems, I feel like I read something in the Stephen Tony games last year when I was reading a lot of comics to learn about different things that there was some body swap conversations. Mm. Um, not necessarily between Stephen Tony though. That's not ringing any bells. Yeah, yeah. But fair i forget that there are other characters <laughs> there are i promise there's a few uh, there's a few yeah so moving on to the next week um we entered the uh tiebreaker double round so two weeks we had to step out of the brackets and do a tiebreaker basically the way that this works is because we had a tiebreaker both of the um tires have to go up against who they would go up with up against next Okay. And whoever wins that will go on as the winner of the next one. And whoever loses that will get bumped down as if they'd lost the tie. Because that's Got just it. the way that the, because um, we can't just pit them against each other like you would in a soccer game to be like, okay, play another game. Got it. <laughs> expect it'll be the same. So this is how I handle ties. So last weekend we had arranged marriage versus wrong number texting at you. Okay. And arranged marriage destroyed wrong number texting at you. 72 to 28. Fair. Uh, so interesting. Because um, wrong number's been doing fairly well. But also, this was the one that most of all trope off this time, I think, is the one where I'm most likely to actually write this. Like, I've been seriously thinking about writing this. Okay. And what I want to do is Steve and Tony are arranged in some way, probably like a la CN or like, you know, 
some sort of official mating thing or prince thing, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but there's some societal reason why they need to be in an arranged marriage and they don't like each other particularly. They don't, they're not interested. They're just doing it because it's their obligation. Um, but they both separately are looking for connections with other people and end up online and start chatting with someone else that they really like. And eventually it turns out that they're chatting with each other. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. So it's kind of like if you like pina coladas mixed with my fic falling for you hook, line and sinker. That's my okay. Thing. Mixed with a little bit of TPP or CN. Ooh, I mean, I love hook, line and sinker. That's one of my favorites of yours. So you. that is, uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that might be actually besides TPP, my favorite of yours. Um, so that's really... I think it. Oh, be. I'm excited for that. Lots of like, like that. they don't give each other a chance to get to know each yeah. other because it's arranged. They're just like, okay, like I don't hate you, but like this isn't love. So um, we're just going to be ships passing in the night and we'll make it work and we'll show up for functions and what have you. Yeah. But then at night on their phone, it's like, oh, there's this person I really connect with. <laughs> I love if only, it. I love it. My arranged partner had a personality like this one does. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bring it on. This one also got a fair amount of attention on Twitter. Um, we got sort of similar ideas. Fan said arranged royals that hate each other and then unknowingly fall for each other by thinking they're talking to a stranger due to a wrong number. Yep. Uh, Allie, I am 93% Stardust said there's a super great old guard fic that combines these two tropes and I love it so much. That's very cool. I'll have to look for that. That's no- and, notable. Um. And Clever Kimberly said, hands down, I have to go with wrong number texting AUs. They may just be my number one. So there's a wrong number fan. But unfortunately, it got beat. But I will say this doesn't, well, I guess it does count as a loss for wrong number. Because whoever wins between arranged marriage and fix it is going to go on to have won the next one. And since arranged marriage did win, even if fix it doesn't win, Wrong number. I hope nobody understood what I just said, because honestly, I'd prefer that you guys don't know how it works. So you don't think about it too hard. Yeah, I mean, you lost me completely. And I'm, Good. you know, uh, relationally pay- paid to be here. So, OK, so I'll just use my little uh, men in black flashy thingy and we'll just. Yes, I never said that. And moving on to this weekend, um, we have in the other half of the tiebreaker. Fix it versus wrong number texting at you. So we'll see if fix it can can do better than arranged marriage did. Uh, and I'm not going to say how it's going right now because I don't want to influence anyone. But we have had quite a few votes already. Uh, but there's like, you know, a little bit of time left. So Ooh, exciting. Yeah. No ideas yet for that one. I feel like and we have had the conversation already about the trickiness of meshing inherently a you concepts with fix it concept, which is kind of inherently embedded in Canon. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we'll think about it. And when we come back and talk next time, we'll have an answer for who won and uh, maybe some prompts that find a way to use wrong numbers to fix Canon. <laughs> I'm as always excited to hear what people come up with. You'll notice that this episode includes no customized events forecast, and it's a point where I just have to be really honest that our lives have all kind of changed since the podcast started. 
And so from here on out, please keep an eye on the Marvel Event Central page for all of your Marvel event needs. If you want us to share your specific Steve Tony event on Tumblr or Twitter, please add us and we're happy to reblog but we will no longer be having a dedicated segment here on the podcast. Thank you so much for your understanding. And that is a wrap on episode eight. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We're always grateful to members of our community who lend their voices to the pod. Thanks to Key, Magic, and Sign for taking over this conversation and Dakota River Road for the art. Remember to rate and review as you can and let us know what you thought about the episode. We always love to know what's enjoyed so that we can know what to do more of. In the meantime, keep creating and consuming and enjoying fandom and we will see you next time for episode nine. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>